Welcome to Life Uninhibited. I'm your host, Kristen Messagy, Enneagram 6 Life Coach for Sixes. Today, we go high level Enneagram and talk about the super ego message that we are dealing with as sixes. When we are bound by this message unconsciously, we are the most inhibited versions of ourselves. It's a really good thing to bring awareness to. So enjoy it, and I can't wait to hear what you think. Hi, sixes. Welcome back. Today, I want to talk broadly about the Enneagram and about personality. And well, that's just what I want to do. So that's what so that's what I'm going to do. So when we come across the Enneagram and we learn these things about our personality, we tend to not then use what we learn as sort of um, this way in which we are kind of able to see what we are doing all the time. For for lots of reasons. Um, I don't know what yours are. I know what mine are. I don't like the idea that I'm sort of always being a personality. I, I like to think that I'm somehow separate from that or that sometimes I'm my personality and sometimes I'm not. But that that really isn't the, the teaching here. The teaching is that we are revealed to ourselves and it's it's really an all the time thing. And as we feel more met in our core desires, the personality is able to loosen and uh, essentially be more flexible. So, but we, we aren't ever not our personality. Even in our healthiest states, we still are who we are and we are who we are all the time. We are who we are all of the time. And this is not a problem. This is actually kind of the point and good news is that in any given moment, we can go inside and explore what's happening and see with this guide. This is what's so interesting too about sixes specifically. It's like we want guidance. Uh, kind of desperately. That's our main, uh, you know, one of our big core fears is not having guidance. But if we don't like the guidance, then we tend to ignore it, rebel against it, argue with it, all of these things. It's very interesting. So it's to me, it's just very sexy to kind of go into a system sort of subconsciously looking for guidance. But then if we don't like what we find, um, arguing with it, you know, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. I'm just like, yeah, of, of course that's what we would do. Of course it is. Especially when it shows us things about ourselves that we don't like or we don't identify with. Although, of course, what do we project out in the world. This is not just sixes. This is what projection describes. We project disowned parts of ourselves. 
good and not so good. So just because we aren't consciously identifying with something doesn't mean we we don't actually have that part. I wish I could think of a specific example. Well, I actually don't because I wasn't going to do that. <laughs> just we're just general. We're just very general today. So I like to think of the personality as like a like a suit. And when I'm under stress or um different things are happening in my life, basically when things are harder, the suit tightens. It tightens around me. So my personality, it's like I use more personality when I'm not doing so well, right? That just makes sense. Said another way, I use more coping mechanisms when my system thinks I need more coping mechanisms. The difference between coping mechanisms and uh, how should we say, like like integration or becoming healthier is that over time, we need less coping mechanisms because we are just different. This is really what change work is. It's coping mechanisms aren't bad, although we do tend to learn that our coping mechanisms, they have costs. They are maladaptive in a lot of ways in our lives, in our relationships. You know, this is what sort of we're up against. It's like we have predictable patterned ways of dealing with life. And that's not bad or wrong. However, there are in fact costs. And depending on our ability to go inside and really explore what's going on there sort of determines whether we cling to our coping mechanisms more or actually, you can picture the suit, the suit tightening up. The suit is kind of loose and we can see it and we can interact with it and we can make choices moment to moment. Really, what health is is your capacity, our capacity to make choices in the moment. Do we have capacity to do that? Do we not? And then we use what we have to try to feel better. That is our personality. And as we get more and more uncomfortable, more and more dysregulated, we utilize these predictable personality patterns more and more and more. It's like we kind of, uh, we solidify around them. Okay, so that's the setup. This is happening all the time. It's, we're, we're not outside of that. And the more that we try to understand these things and get a handle on them in our mind, It's like, well, that's just the more sexy we are being, which is kind of tough to wrestle with and reconcile. But that's the task that's set 
before us? Are we able to do something different? Are we able to make a different choice? Can we see what we're doing in the moment? Or are we not available for that? So as sixes, the less we are connected to our inner guidance in any given moment, to our sense of ourselves, right? Our our, our innate, inborn connection to source. I'm I'm going with source today. God, universe, essence is a word that the Enneagram loves to use. Essence being short for our essential nature. The part of us that truly is separate from all of the goings-on. The part of us that is not bothered by our own mortality. Now, that's not most of us. That's not most parts of us. But there is this part of us that knows, that is connected to something different than all of this earthly realm, we could say. The divine. You know? I know this is tough for people because, well, for all the reasons it's tough for people. That's why it's hard for me to talk about because, of course, I want my words to be able to be heard by everyone, but that's also absurd. That That's absurd. That's why I overthink it so much and get spinny about it because, of course, I don't want to say something that's going to upset anyone. Um, but like, what a sexy thought, right? That's literally an impossibility. Literally, that's impossible. Any of us who have social media or interactions with other humans in any way, at some level, no, we can't please or be approved of by all the people. So as sixes, because we are smack dab in the middle of that head triad, this is why we are the most disconnected from our deep instinctual inner knowing. We're pulled between these poles of guidance, like we really want to be guided and we want to be independent. If you look at five and seven and you kind of look at the the energies of those types, right? Seven doesn't want to be trapped, wants to do what it wants. You know, obviously this is very simplified. Fives want to just know everything, understand everything really deeply. We're pulled by those two, or or you could say we exist in the tension between those two energies. And neither of those is, hey, what do I really think and believe about things? Right? One is, let me go do my thing, got to get out of here go away. The other is, wait, let me deeply understand. Let me figure everything out. Let me know all the things. The tension between those two types is where six sits. And you can do that with all the types. You can look at, you know, this is what wings are all about. What are the different energies on either side? 
how are those different energies impacting that type in the center? So this is what it means for us to be in the middle of the head triad and the least connected to our inter-knowing, inter-knowing, inner-knowing. And because of that, we can be absolutely all over the place. We can ping pong back and forth between wanting to be independent and wanting to be dependent. And neither of those reactive states are centered on, wait, what do I actually have to access inside myself? Right? It's a, it's this full force of going outside and trying to figure out what's true, what's real, what's trustworthy outside of ourselves. And that is a tough deal. That's a tough deal. We know we're growing a deeper connection to ourselves when we aren't as captured by that back and forth, by that ping-ponging. But before we can actually get any kind of objective awareness of it's that if that's happening or not, we have to know what it looks like to be in personality. As sixes, we struggle with that because we don't want to do anything wrong. So we have to be willing to see the truth of us. And then, how can I say it? We have to be willing to see the truth of us but then not collapse with the emotions that that creates. Now, here's something that I know deeply, deeply, deeply in my soul. No one gets to determine when or how or with what level of depth you are going to see yourself. And this is so flippin' obvious when we look at other people and we're like, wow, I can really see where they are, insert anything. What can you clearly see about someone you know? And if you go and tell them, they are generally not like, oh my gosh, thank you so much for revealing myself to myself in that way. I'm so thankful for your insight. That's just not normally what happens. Similarly, if someone is looking at you and they're like, hey, uh, just so you know, here's what I can see about you. We don't tend to like crack open, you know, undefended and say, oh, thank you for showing me myself. I really appreciate that insight. That doesn't happen. And yet we kind of walk around as if that's what's happening or what should happen. It's very, very interesting paradox that we're dealing with, right? We kind of act like the world should be so thankful for our uh, astute insights about how they're doing things wrong. And we we aren't that way. 
And it's it's really weird how people in the Enneagram space and communities sort of act like people are that way. It's it's not it's not a good look, Enneagram people. Okay. Cause it's just it's just not how humans work. I mean, I think, oh, I just get so frustrated. Okay. Anyway, moving on. Moving on from my frustration. That's not useful in this particular moment, self. Okay. So what our work is though is to accept that our personality is always at play and be interested and curious enough to catch ourselves in the act, as Russ Hudson says. Can you catch yourself in the act? Can you catch when you are personality-ing? And the good news is we could always do that. We could do that in any given moment. We just more often than not choose not to because we're busy being our personality. (laughs) And one of the skills we want to have on board, one of the reasons why feelings work specifically is so important is that when we, quote, catch ourselves in the act, as I already said, that is going to produce emotions that we don't tend to like or make room for. Because I'm talking about things like shame, embarrassment. Um, there can be a, there can just be a lot of discomfort when we see ourselves being a way that we don't like. So we want to know how to feel those feelings. We want to know how to catch our catch ourselves from falling apart after we catch ourselves in the act. So one of the reasons this is so tough for sixes is that we are in sort of constant response to and relationship with our particular super ego thought. This specific super ego thought comes straight from the wisdom of the Enneagram. This is Riso and Hudson, and they have the sort of super ego thought for all types. The super ego is like the inner parent. So for sixes, the super ego message is you are good or okay if you do what is expected of you. We can go a little deeper and say, what do they mean by good or okay? Well, that's where we get into the basic fear and desire thing, right? So for for sixes, and I'm extrapolating here, okay, I'm pulling this together. So the, the text is you are good or okay if you do what is expected of you. For us, that means what is being good or okay. It means I have the support and the guidance that I think I desperately need to survive in this life. And if I do anything that uh, upsets that support and guidance, I'm not good or okay. Meaning I'm meaning that's it. That's the end. I mean, we go straight to like, that's it. I'm not going to make it, but my people aren't going to make it. Right. And it's, our responsibility, air quoting this, to make sure that our guidance and support systems stay intact. This is sort of what we've taken on as our unconscious project. Now, this is really tricky for us. So if we go back to like the the suit, okay, and like it's sort of tightness or roominess, the suit of our personality. When we are captured, well, I could I could say it a different way. The the more we are captured by 
that super ego message, the more in personality we're going to be, the more we're going to be acting out the coping mechanisms and strategies of six. And the more we can loosen that and we'll see less acting in the coping strategies of six as we're able to detach from that message of we'll be okay if we do what is expected of us. That and, and how do we do that? We get in touch with our own sense of ourselves as being the, the, the ultimate guide. And that isn't just to say we only trust ourselves. It is to say we trust our connection to what is greater than us. So I think a lot of people who work with the Enneagram want to kind of be able to say that we ultimately just trust ourselves. Or I think that piece is just really tricky to talk about because it gets into spiritual territory. And but the, the Enneagram is a spiritual tool. Yes, we've been able to make it more accessible to more people because of the Enneagram of personality piece, but that does really water down at the end of the day what this is all about, which is that this is a spiritual tool. (laughs) That being said, this is a spiritual tool. Please hear this. No one else really gets to decide and determine what that feels like for you, what that looks like for you, how it is defined by you. This is the faith journey piece is that it's really individual and special So what we do as sixes when we're really caught up, when our suit is very tight, when our personality is very personalityed, is we look out to anyone and anything to define what is expected of us. We look to anyone that we deem is an authority in any given moment. So we have the more sort of obvious authorities that we are looking at to tell us like what to do and who to be. We've got, you know, pastors, religious systems, bosses, we have our spouses, we have our friends, we have anyone that we put outside of us and we're looking to them to say, hey, as long as I do what's expected of from them, then I will be okay. I won't lose support. We just forget or never learned how to check in with ourselves about that and to really deepen that connection with ourselves. And this, oh, and then we also have <laughs> the part of us that absolutely hates this, the part of us that sort of twists this. I'll do what's expected of me. And instead is like, I won't do what's expected of me. I don't want to do what's expected. I reject what that person, whatever, wants me to be. It's still, this is what I think is so hard to wrap our minds around. And of course, we want to wrap our minds around it in our more counterphobic areas of life 
is we think that we're finding independence, but being against something is not being independent from that thing. It's still orienting to the thing and pushing against it. For instance, if I like go up to this wall next to me and I'm like pushing against the wall to prove that I don't want that wall to, like that wall doesn't define me. This wall is not me. It's like, well then walk away from the wall. (laughs) Go somewhere else. Maybe that's a terrible example, but I think the physical is such a helpful way to look at this. Being against something is not being independent from it. It means I'm oriented to that thing for my sturdiness. The other way this shows up um, in the againstness is the way sixes, when they do have what they consider a solid belief orientation, they then solidify around that, right? Like, okay, if I have the right beliefs, if I have the right thoughts about things, then I'm okay, then I'm good. I'm not bad. Because sixes are very concerned with being good or bad, right or wrong, when we are very uh, squeezed, when we are very in our personality. As our personality softens, there is less of that, which is really lovely. There's less of that. There's less of this. Uh, you know, one of the things that really comes up with sixes is this right, wrong, good, bad, black, white. And that's even if we're very much positioned against things. Our core fear of being without support and guidance gets twisted into this I must know what to think and what to believe to be okay, to be good and right and not bad. And so that is what we have in so many ways is this like seeking, seeking, seeking of what is the right thing for me to believe because then I know that I'm okay. And of course, this all comes from externally. Or again, it also can be, I see all the things wrong with that belief system. This is my delightful variety is no belief set can be trusted. And, you know, everyone's doing it wrong. I said it to a friend of mine, a sixth friend of mine the other day, you know, I said this internal experience of it feels like, you know, I've climbed on top the sort of heap of human doing it wrongness, right? And I'm sort of sitting on top there seeing how everyone's doing it wrong. Like that is a way that I, uh, create a fake sense of certainty and this this feeling that I'm thinking the right things, right? It's that I'm thinking the right things and it's that you're all thinking the wrong thing, <laughs> which is very different. This is all very, very different than what do I think? What do I believe? And where do I find that information? Where do I find that information? 
We go out, out, out. Whether it's like, yes, I believe that or no, I don't believe that. It's the same thing. It's just two sides of the same coin. And I really don't like admitting that. I really don't like saying that because where I find my sturdiness is being against. And so this is something you can ask yourself. This is really an interesting thing to get curious about. If you can bring some open curiosity here is where do I find my sense of sturdiness? Who am I trusting to give me the sort of proof that I'm thinking correctly, whether that is for something or against? It's the same thing. And I I don't like that. It, it upsets me. <laughs> because of course, I also know that at the end of the day, I also want to be taken care of. So that, that, these are like to really understand what does our internal back and forth really look like and how are we defining ourselves and how attached are we to this message? I'm good or okay if I'm doing what's expected of me and who in the heck is getting to decide what's expected of me. This literally can occur moment by moment by moment. This isn't just about, you know, again, church or bosses or whatever. This is our this is our partner. This is our friends. This is anyone that we interact with that we are concerned with having their approval, not losing their support over going inside and doing some work there. And also, as I've mentioned a couple of times, getting in touch with what are the emotions produced when we stop personalitying. So for me, when I quit my againstness, I can feel completely unmoored. And it's that's the feel like I know the feeling well enough because I've practiced it enough that I can tolerate that feeling. I can be with that feeling. I can be with the unmoredness. The I call it it's just it's just straight like it's it's a it's disorienting, right? It's like, "Ooh, where is the ground I'm standing on. One of the lines in the Wisdom of the Enneagram is sixes are constantly trying to basically shore up the ground they're standing on. And what that is, is a, is a, it's a feeling. And what we want to build tolerance for is what is the feeling when we don't have our solid ground? Can we build capacity for that feeling. It's kind of really at the heart of it here. Okay. Otherwise, we're just doing a bunch of things to try to avoid that feeling at all costs. So let's let's turn to an exercise, a practice, something that you actually can do to take a look at who is deciding this for you? Who have you given over all of your authority to 
let you know if you're doing something right or not. I like to conceive of this as a table, chairs around the table, like a like a boardroom and you're at the head of the table. In a call last week, and I can't remember which one of you started this client, if you're listening, but someone said, oh, I'm picturing it like a Thanksgiving table. And we all liked it. We all liked that idea of like, oh, and if Thanksgiving's not your thing or whatever, you you can warm up the table is the point, right? This can be like a like a family gathering. It doesn't have to be a stark boardroom situation. <laughs> but you can really picture a big table and it's full of folks that you have ceded your authority to. These are the people past, uh, maybe even future. They could be not with us anymore. Absolutely. This could be belief systems. This could be, you know, your boss might be there. Your mom's probably there. (laughs) Your, um, maybe there's a teacher from when you were young is there. Maybe there are some friends there that you don't want to lose their approval. So you can look at this table and you can get really curious. Who is there? Are you there? Put yourself at the table. You are at the head of the table. From that vantage point, you can feel like, okay, I am here. Like do what you need to do. Pull yourself up. Like maybe even go sit at a table. The more we can make these things real in our lives, the more we can actually start to apply these things and do this work. So put yourself at the table. You're at the head. And you can see who are all the people. You can do this generally, or you can do it for a particular situation that might actually be more helpful. You might get more accurate information if you do it for a particular situation in your life. That's when you're going to really know who's in the room. When you're like, well, here's a decision I want to make. Boom. Everyone whose approval you think you might lose by making that decision is going to show up at the table. It's really interesting how this happens. If, you, if you're still not quite getting it, go ahead and try to make the decision. And then, boom, everyone will show up and you will know exactly who you have ceded your own authority to. And then you can just be curious. Would I cede my authority to that person if I, if I had the choice? If I actually slowed down and thought about it and took a breath and connected with myself, would I give that person the authority in this situation? When we slow everything down, and I, I just want to say, I get it. The last thing I want to do when I am personalitying all over the place is slow down because I know I'm actually going to lose whatever sort of bit of security I think I'm getting by doing whatever I'm doing. Most recent, this was a three-week deep dive into the history of Israel-Palestine, right? I had to understand. I had to 
said my brain, I have to go as deep and as wide and as varied in perspectives as I possibly can. And I could see what I was doing. I could see it. I could not set it down. Because if I set it down, there were way too many emotions to contact. I didn't want to do it. I didn't want to contact the feelings. I knew I didn't want to contact them. So I just kept going until I finally, whatever, got whatever, wherever I needed to get. So slowing down means unhooking from what we are doing that we think is creating safety and security, that we think is getting us to the guidance that we need. It's not easy to do. It's not easy to remember to do. It's not easy to want to do it. That's okay. That's literally what the work is. Can I slow down? Can I catch myself in the act? Can I not throw myself under the bus for being a human being? And then can I go inside? And how do I, quote, go inside? It's these exercises. It's looking at who I am disempowering myself to, even if being against them makes me feel powerful. Okay, that's the trick for our more counterphobic, um, whatever. Can I disconnect from that? Can I go inside? Can I take some deep breaths and just be here? Can I then contact whatever feelings become present right this is not a small amount of work but this is the work setting down needing to understand everything just so oh i don't even like saying that i do not even like saying that my system is like no actually <laughs> you just need to understand <laughs> ah yes i i see you i see you brain i see you 60 strategies I see you thinking that it's actually possible to understand everything just so, so that I can feel sturdy, so I can feel grounded. We think our beliefs are what create that sturdy, okay feeling. It isn't that. It isn't that at all. But it that's literally what our personality tells us. Just keep thinking things through. Just stay in your head. Just stay with your beliefs. Even if we know our beliefs don't really serve us. Like if our beliefs tend to be doubting, twisting, swirling, really painful thoughts, if that's what we've been doing for so long, and this is a trap we can get into in, this is a real trap we can get into in personal growth, right? Ah, oh, yes, I see what's wrong with me. That's where I'm fundamentally flawed. Ah, oh, yes, now I see it. That's where I'm broken. Like that might be your familiar place. That might be where you actually, it's so, I know, hear me, I get it that it's like counterintuitive. But if you're used to hanging out in the, there's something fundamentally wrong with me, there's something fundamentally wrong with everyone. If that, even though that feels terrible, that might be where you feel the most sturdy. These are really good things to get curious about because if those are the places we feel the most sturdy, we're going to be very hesitant to 
shift those thoughts and beliefs, even though if we did, we would actually feel much better. I also want to just add this piece, just depending on where you are in your particular growth journey. A lot of times before we can connect to our inner knowing, we we have to find out what the heck that actually is, what it feels like, what it sounds like. How do we know we have connected to it? That is often, well, let's say two parts of first work. First work is like really understand what am I doing? What is my personality doing? What does it look like when I'm in my personality? It's whatever you're doing right now. <laughs> it's any given moment. It, it literally is constantly we could do this work. Find out what it looks like when I'm in my personality. Understand what is the emotional experience that I do not want to feel. Okay, that. And then the other piece is really getting to know yourself well enough to know what does it feel like? What is it like when you are connected with yourself? This is why I'm such a huge proponent of values work. Because when we know what our personal values are, that's a really good place to say, oh, right. This is what I value. This is what's truly important to me. Am I, am I aligned with those? Or am I doing this whole other thing over here? Because of course I am, because that's my personality. So values work. I am going to be doing a values workshop in December. I will get that scheduled and tell you all about it. So if you're like, great, values work. How? I take people through this kind of work all the time. So yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll figure that out and get back to you about it. Okay, so that was that was very general, but I think sometimes it's good just to go high level and remember, what is this tool? What are we doing here? How might I start to utilize this tool for me? Yeah, so there you go. That's it. Talk to y'all next week. All right. Thank you for listening. Don't forget, you can go leave a rating and review for this podcast. It's hugely helpful to the podcast. And of course, I am so thankful and enjoy reading your reviews so much. So if you have a minute, go for it. Thank you so much. Talk to you all soon.